The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the information, inspiration, and advice you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Today we are going to talk about a... A, a thing, a technique, a philosophy to, to some almost a pseudo-religion that I bet you have heard of if you have been around real estate investing and real estate investors long enough. It's called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and it is a technique that uh, some folks ascribe nearly magical powers to while other people say it's all just BS. It doesn't work. There's no way that anything uh, like this could possibly be as effective as, as it's given credit for. At the same time, I guarantee you that if you have ever sat through a sales pitch for a real estate course or seminar, NLP has been used on you and probably successfully. So to help us untangle the the myth and reality behind NLP and most importantly, how you might be able to use it to negotiate with sellers and private lenders and contractors and all the people you have to negotiate with on a day-to-day basis. I have with me Bill Twyford. Bill is a, a real estate investor with more than 25 years experience and over a thousand real estate closings under his belt. He is a, his, he's been training in NLP for a long, long time and teaches it to real estate investors as a way of getting more of what you want out of a deal. Bill, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thank you, Vina, for having me on. Well, it seems like either you or your wife has been on like constantly for months now because you guys you guys were at the uh you guys were the aria convention here in cincinnati in november right now i know you're you're here in the cincinnati area you guys did a two-day workshop in columbus last weekend and you're doing one for cincinnati ria this weekend and it let me let me compliment you i i sat through the workshop in Columbus uh, last Saturday and Sunday, and it was excellent. And I actually learned a lot, of, particularly about uh, the foreclosure and short sale field, because that's one I have not been keeping up on. So, oh wow, well, cool, very Thank good, you. very good seminar. Um, lots of lots of information, and you guys are just 
total balls of energy. I don't know how you do it for two days like that. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so so Dwan was on last week talking about short sales, but then after I heard your hour or so that you did on NLP at the at the workshop, I wanted to get you on the air and talk about this. Um, so let's start with for for folks who may not have heard the term let's start with what what nlp is like 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 as a as a philosophy as a communication techniques what what is it well you know um it's assumptive language patterns neural linguistic programming and programming is basically the way we think and 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 what we put in our mind i mean if you plant a you know, piece of corn, you expect corn to grow. You don't plant watermelon seeds and hope corn grows. Your mind works the same way. You know, what you put into your mind, whether it's positive or negative, whether it's the truth or a lie, sooner or later you keep putting positive things in your mind. The way that you think about those things in a positive way, positive things start happening. Same on the opposite side of the coin, if you put negative stuff in your mind all the time, negative things are going to happen. And, you know, the thing that's really great about this is the subconscious mind is like a, it's like a database for, your, for a computer. I mean, it's just sitting there. It's like a hard drive. It takes everything in that you've ever heard, smelled, done, said, Anything you've ever done, it's all recorded into your subconscious mind. Now, whether it's true or false, it all goes into your subconscious mind. Now, what you do is you use triggers to pull those things up out of your database, like you would use Windows or something like that. Or if you want to build a PowerPoint presentation, you click on PowerPoint and it comes up. Same thing here. You have triggers that smells, there's, um, there's songs on the radio that trigger memories. And those memories don't show up until that song shows up. Or those memories don't show up until that, you know, that smell shows up. If somebody's wearing a, a, a you know, if a woman's wearing a real nice perfume and she's talking to a homeowner that's going through a divorce, now, here's the thing. This is really weird, but it's the truth. A woman sitting down with another woman to meet with her about buying her house because she's going through a divorce, and she's wearing, let's say, Utopia or something like that. Well, the woman that's losing the house, her husband ran off with another woman who used to wear Utopia. What's the chance of this lady getting the deal? Very, very slim. Just because of that scent brings back negative feelings in her mind. When she smells that, you know, that perfume, it brings back negative feelings. The same thing we do when we're walking down the street. If you walk down the street and people are looking at you and say, gosh, you really look nice today. Boy, you really look, you know, that suit looks nice on you or that dress looks nice on you. You know, you're walking down the street and you start looking in the darn windows to see the reflection or looking in the mirror going, gosh, this does look nice on me. So when people tell you things, it's not really, um, it's it, whether it's true or it's not true, it goes into your subconscious mind and it sits there. And whether it's, like I said, whether it's true or not true, 
It gets recorded. You have to discern whether it's true or not true by your past experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you go into, you know, somebody says, well, you know what? Um, I'm going to go out this year and I'm going to flip one house and make a million dollars on my first deal. Well, immediately, you and I know chances of that happening is so slim. Well, what if the guy's working in Malibu and he's flipping beachfront properties? It probably could happen. However, most of us in our mind immediately think, let's see, okay, conscious, tell me, and it's talking to the subconscious mind. The conscious mind says, okay, we just heard somebody say they want to flip their first house and make a million dollars. Tell me the reality about that. Tell me past experiences about that. So the, so the conscious mind says to the subconscious, hey, tell me some information about this. And immediately the subconscious mind feeds back to the conscious mind and says, ah, that's not going to work. You know, nobody does that. Well, maybe they could, but they'd have to be working in this area over here. They couldn't do it in Cincinnati. That's not going to happen. So immediately now, your conscious mind and your beliefs become, well, you can't do that in Cincinnati. And, you know, Vina, how many times have we heard people say, oh, you can't do that in our backyard? Mm -hmm. I mean, it happens all the time. And it's just a belief system is all it is. We do the same thing when we hear a song on the radio, um, and I'm dating myself from the 60s or 70s, and I couldn't sing every word of that song, but when it comes on the radio, all of a sudden, boom, I'm singing every word to that song because that melody just triggered the verbiage that I've listened to over and over and over again. And, and I know it. So everything you've ever heard, smelled, thought, done is all recorded into your subconscious mind. You just have to know how to bring that out into a conscious reality and say, okay, I'm going to do this and this is going to be my result. Now, good example. The other day we were in Cincinnati speaking. And I saw a couple walk in, and we were talking about perception is reality. And I said, people want to be silently led. Neurolinguistic programming is getting people to do what you want them to do. And we're going to talk about manipulation and persuasion afterwards here later on on this call. But I was talking about perception is reality. If people think you have power, then you do. If they think you're an imposter, then they're correct. See, so it's your job to think, to get these people to do what you know is best for them. So this husband and wife walk in, and I'm going through all of this stuff. I just see them walk in, and I just told the audience of about 100 and some people. I said, people will do what you tell them to do. You just have to tell people to do stuff and don't ask them to do things especially if you're really doing what's best for them. Husband and wife walks in, they're standing in the back of the room. They were not in the room 10 seconds. And I said, you two, back there by the door that just walked in. And they raised their hand. I said, yeah, you two, come on up front here. So they walk right up front, and I set them right in these two front seats. And they sat, I said, here, you guys sit, you guys sit right here. They said, okay. <laughs> so I looked at the rest of the audience. I said, see, people want to be told what to do. And everybody just laughed. But the two people sitting there didn't laugh because they didn't understand it, because they really weren't in, in that conversation. 
And many times I will tell somebody in the audience as I'm teaching the NLP, I say, you over there with the, with the, uh, you know, the bow in your hair, can you stand up for a second? And they go, yeah. They stand up. I say, okay, sit down. And then I go on and start talking. And I say, and then I look at, look back at him. I did that to a lady in Cincinnati the other night and she stuck her tongue back out at me because, you know, it was funny. Everybody laughed because she did exactly what I asked her to do. So neurolinguistic programming basically is using assumptive language patterns to get the result that you want. Because what I say to you, Vina, is real important, but what you say back to me is more important because I need to take that feedback and use it back in my conversation to build agreement with you. And when we come back from this break, we are going to get into some real-life examples that you can use out there as you are negotiating things in the world, even if you don't if you don't have a PhD in NLP, we'll also take your questions at 877-772-9658 or just go to our website. It's realliferealestate.com. Click the Ask a Question tab, fill out uh, the questionnaire, and make sure you tell us where you're writing from. We'll receive that by email. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and you can always stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate through our website at realliferealestate.com. There's almost always some cool offer up there on Real Life Real Estate, and we rotate them uh, about once a month. I think this month the offer is uh, for a free download called the Guru Manifesto. It's about a 30-page uh, ebook about sort of the real estate education industry and how to work your way through that labyrinth where you get really good, high-quality education, which which you need without spending a fortune, which you don't need to do. That's realliferealestate.com. It's exclusively for our listeners. Also, whenever you are there, you can always use the question and answer tab uh, to ask any questions 24-7. Now, I'm not going to answer them 24-7. It's just that at the end of each month, we have a question and answer day that is just dedicated to those random questions that y'all enter during the course of the month. You know, sometimes it's about a prior show that you listen to there on the podcast. Sometimes it's just something that occurred to you and you said, hmm, I wonder how you do this. And uh, we save those up all month long and answer them last Saturday, or last Saturday, that's good, last Wednesday of every single solitary month. Um, by the way, it is happy 20th birthday to Real Life Real Estate this week. We uh, went on the air on a different, yeah, on a different station uh, 20 years ago this week. It was a one half hour show that came on every other week we were <laughs> we were on twice a month and it was at like 10 30 in the morning too it was a very interesting little time slot and uh, my very first guest was my father because that was who I couldn't I, I could imagine interviewing without like throwing up because <laughs> you know I didn't go to I didn't go to radio school like Mike and these guys wow. I was <laughs> see look what he can do um I was just <laughs> just somebody who wandered into the station one day and said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had a show about real estate? And uh, been going on ever since, third third, uh, third, third station I've <laughs> been on in, in all this time. Uh, Mike's engineered this for like half my life now. I, uh, I, I, 
<laughs> if I if I didn't see Mike every Wednesday, I don't know what I would do with myself. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's been a been a long long road, and a lot of stuff has happened in the real estate market during that time. We went through a, a major crash and a major run up, and we've continued to bring you the folks who um, keep doing it and keep doing it in real life all these years. So, yay, real life, real estate, woohoo! Happy birthday. Um, so back to our topic of the day, which is uh, neurolinguistic programming in LP with Bill Twyford. And uh, as I said, Bill is a, you know, he studied this a lot. Uh, he is the biggest expert I know personally on the topic. And um, Bill, I told you I was going to, I was going to challenge you on this because if, if any of our listeners go online and just like Google NLP, they're going to find a mixture of stuff. They're going to find some training that's available. They're going to find people commenting on it in a positive way in the sense that they will say this really works. And then they're going to find the Wikipedia entry. Mm-hmm. And the Wikipedia entry, <laughs> just let me... Which I've never, never read that one yet. You know, <laughs> just, you, you sent it to me and said, hey, what do you think of this? And I never did answer you about it because I haven't had time to look at it. Well, just let me just let me share. It's a very long entry and it, go, it goes into a lot of the, the history and the background and the, and the guys who started it, uh, Richard Band, Bandler and John Grinder. And yep. it came out yep. of the 70s, out of the, some of the same schools as Est and things like that. But just let me read you this one sentence that's toward the top of the page. The balance of scientific evidence reveals NLP to be a largely discredited pseudoscience. Scientific reviews show it contains numerous factual errors and fails to produce the results asserted by Bandler and Grinder. <laughs> it's a numbers game. Life is a numbers game. And you know what? The thing that's, that's really interesting about it, if it didn't work, why do they all use it on commercials? You never hear a commercial say, if you get your credit card out now, you can buy this. They don't, they don't talk that way. They say, get your credit card ready. When you buy this, here's what's going to happen. They're talking to you subconsciously, telling you to do something, knowing that it's just a numbers game, that they have a better chance of telling you to do something and that you will follow their lead than they do asking you to do something. Mm-hmm. They're not saying, hey, if you'll buy our program, you can see the same type of results. So if you really think this is true, get your credit card out and call this number now. They don't do that because that's way too weak. They say, make the decision, change your life, take action, lose weight. Whatever it is, remember. Embedded, remember, yeah, there's no that's, risk. <laughs> that's right, no risk, money back guarantee. That's what you want to hear. If you don't like it, you just send it back within 30 days. You've got no obligation. That's what they're talking to your subconscious mind, and your conscious mind goes, "Hey, tell me about money back guarantees." Oh, hey, those are great. <laughs> tell me about taking action. Well, that's a good thing to do. Tell me about losing weight. Oh, I need to lose some weight. See, so they're using this verbiage to get people to make the decision. And it works. That's why they use it. And, and when you watch the commercials during the Super Bowl, there's so much of this stuff in laced and everything. So you have the believers out there, and then you have the non-believers. You have the people that 
like the Democrats and people that don't like the Democrats. You got people that like the Republicans and don't like the Republicans. There's always, you know, there's really more than two sides to a coin. There's really three sides to a coin. Because if you look at a quarter, there's two sides. But if you roll a quarter, what side's it on? <laughs> Neither one. It's on the third side. So you have to start thinking outside the box. And most people don't. Most people have their minds closed off and goes, oh, that salesy stuff. I don't like it. And it's not been proven. Well, I'll tell you what, people will do what you tell them to do 99% of the time, especially if they're distressed and they need help. Now, let's jump over real quick to manipulation versus persuasion. When I deal with homeowners and I teach classes, I always say, always do what's best for your homeowner, even if it's not what's best for you. You have to always do what's best for your homeowner because if you put them first, your energy perceives you. They, they feel in their heart, they feel in their soul that you're really trying to do what's best for them. When you come to a homeowner face-to-face and truly it's all about how much money you're going to make on their deal, they can feel that too. So they push away. And as they're pushing away, you can feel them pushing away. So you start pushing harder. And the harder you push, the farther they push, the harder they push back. So what you've got to realize is when you're dealing with homeowners or you're dealing with somebody distressed, you have to always put them first and put their needs first, even if your needs are not met. Because if you always give people what they want, you'll always get what you want sooner or later. So manipulation and persuasion, the difference between those two, because a lot of people say to me, they go, gosh, isn't this manipulating people? I said, well, it is manipulating people to do what they don't want to do as long as it's all about you. You're manipulating them into what's best for you. When you talk to people and you know that you're taking them down the right path, which is really what's best for them, you're persuading people into doing what you know is best for them. And that's a fine line. But, you know, you and I have talked to thousands of homeowners. And after two minutes of telling us their story, they all sound the same. I mean, if you go into a class of 100 people that have been in foreclosure before and you start with the first person in the front row, by the time you get to the fourth or fifth person and they're talking for three minutes, all this, they all have the same excuses. They all have the same problems. They all have, it all starts sounding the same. So we know within two to three minutes of dealing with a homeowner what path they need to go down. So we're going to persuade them to believe that's the path they need to go down because after talking to thousands of homeowners, I know that's what's best for them. Because so you know, see, you know what the outcome is going to be, and they don't necessarily. I mean, this is they this don't. is this is such an important yeah. point, especially for people who are listening who have not talked. They haven't been at the stage yet where they've talked to a lot of homeowners about about buying their houses. Because right. it it you you figure out pretty quickly that there there's three kinds of sellers in the world. There's the ones who are not motivated and they don't have any reason to be. You know, they've got a great house and a great area. They've got time. There's no there's no big problem. Um, and it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, how how you NLP them, it, nothing's happening. You're not you're not making that deal. Then on the other side, the ones that are really obvious are the ones who are distressed. They know they're distressed, and their price reflects that. So so they, they 
they tell you a story like, I can't afford my house anymore. I need to let it go. I just, I owe more than it's worth. And it's just, and I just, but I, but I understand that I can't, I can't save it and I need to do something here. And that's, I mean, exactly the kind of seller that we all want. But the one that's in between is the one that you have to guide down this path toward what's best for them because they can't see it. And that's the seller. That's that's a seller who I'm guessing in your case, since you do a lot of short sales, that's the seller who says, well, no, I'm I'm 18 months behind and the banks offered me three modifications, but they always want me to make three payments and I don't have the money to do that and I never do get my job back and also the house needs $50,000 worth of work that I can't do, but I want to stay here. Yeah, and I totally understand and I agree with you 100%. If I was you, Vina, I would want to stay in your house too. But here's the reality of it. The bank has asked you to make these payments now, if you can't make those payments, you're going to have to figure out a way to get those three payments paid and at least get into a permanent modification because once you get into a permanent modification, it pulls you out of the foreclosure process. See, And then if you have to fall behind, that's when you fall behind again. Now, I know you want to try to stay on top of your payments, but if they're offering you something right now, that you, I don't care what you've got to sell, what you've got to pawn, what you've got to do. You've got to make that happen. You've got to get this thing out of the foreclosure state and get it in the permanent modification state. I mean, obviously you see that because you want to stay in your home, correct? Well, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't have anything. I, 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 but you know, I just, I want, I, I want you to keep me in my house somehow. I want you to buy it and let me stay here or something because I haven't got three payments. You know what? I totally understand, and that's something that we used to do, but we find out that about 85 to 90% of homeowners that stay in their home end up coming to the realization that they can't stay up with the payments. So if I went in and bought your home and let you stay here, one, I don't do that anymore just because it's a, it's a legal issue for me. However, we do sell the properties to other investors. And, you know, if you work something out with them, that's 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 fine. But, uh, you know, I can't buy your house and lease it back to you. And I, and I totally understand what you're saying. You want to stay in your home and you want to stay as long as you can. Let me ask you this. How many payments are you behind total? Oh, I think 18, maybe 19. 18. Ouch. And and you are how much how much is your monthly payment? It's 1200. So it's 1200. So 18 times 1200. I mean, that's over twenty thousand dollars. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, have you saved any of that money at all? No. So you basically spent it on bills, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's money that, that you've basically taken, equity that you've taken out of the home. And, you know, what we'd like to do is give you a little bit of cash to at least get you a clean slate and get you started somewhere else. And I totally understand you want to stay in your house. If I was you, I would want you to. You see what I'm doing there? I'm building agreement but I'm trying to walk you down the path of taking you into a different area that's a darker area that you haven't, you've thought about, but you don't want to go there. I'm trying to open the door and let you see there is the light in that room. It's just not a dark room you're walking into. Yeah, because, and, and, and you know, folks, folks who, are, who are listening might be like, well, this would be a really frustrating conversation. This is a conversation you have every day day with people who literally like they they are at the same time saying i can't i can't afford the house or uh in my case i work with a lot of distressed properties that are not um 
that are not in foreclosure. And I, what I get a lot is I want this much for the house, not because I think the house is worth it, but because I need to do something with that money. So in other words, it's something like I want, yeah. I want $45,000 for my completely stripped house in the war zone in Cincinnati, Ohio, because I want to buy a truck. Right, they're yeah. they're unrelated. Right. Yeah. It's it's unrelated yeah. to, yeah. and 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 they, they sincerely believe somehow that this is going to happen. Although on and on one level, they 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 really they do know what the truth is. They know they can't afford the house. They know the house yeah. isn't going to sell for forty five. And so what you're doing is is helping them helping them to more clearly see what they kind of already know, but need to be told by somebody else. That's right. And the thing, too, is you got to remember, they're in the denial stage. You know, they've got to go from denial, they'll go into the anger mode, you know, then they'll go into, you know, the depression mode. I mean, they got all these different states that they go through until they get to the acceptance mode. And it's my job to get them from denial and jump over all the other ones and get straight to acceptance. But I'm because I know they can't afford their house. They've already said, you know, I've had my electricity shut off twice in the last three months. You know, I, I'm not even making payments. And I just had car trouble. You know, basically what you're telling me. You know, now what I'm what I'm doing here is called level shifting. When you say, you know, and and, and folks that are listening, uh, Vina and I have never role played before ever. This is the first time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So none of this was even laid out. I mean, I have no idea what she's going to ask me or say to me or anything. So we're just going back and forth there. But here's the thing. She has said to me she lost her electricity twice out of the last three months, and she's got car trouble right now. So what I'm going to do, remember what I said earlier in the earlier segment, what I say to you is important, but what you say to me is is more important. So what I'm going to do is when you say that stuff, I'm going to say – so basically what you're telling me then is that you can't afford the property at all with your financial situation right now. I mean, you know, losing electricity for the two out of the last three months, I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? See, now, now I'm asking, I'm telling her it's terrible, and I'm telling her, isn't it? I'm not asking her, I'm telling her it's terrible, and I'm getting her to agree with me, isn't it? And she's saying yes. Now I'm getting her to say yes. And you've also got, on top of that, you've got car problems. So basically what you're telling me, with all those problems, you're really looking for some cash to where you can at least get a clean slate and move forward. Correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, see what I'm, you see what I'm doing? I'm painting the picture. I'm taking what she said to me to be true. I'm letting her, I'm giving it back to her. She's agreeing with me, so I'm getting her to nod and say yes and when she's saying, you know what, maybe that is what's best for me. Maybe I do need to just take some cash. And I got to tell you what, it's hard to let go of your home. I totally understand what you're going through. So those of you that have lost a home in the past that are listening right now, use that. This is when that comes up. Say, you know what, I know what you're going through. Four years ago, I lost my home. I was in the same situation. And you know what happens when you're in this situation? Your mind is clouded. You don't know what to do. Everywhere you turn, you think you're doing the wrong thing. So you just clam up and you get afraid to make steps and, and, and get out of your situation. So what happens, you get yourself on an island and you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. See what I'm doing? When I'm saying that, 
Most of you are painting a picture of painting yourself in a corner or being on an island with nobody else there, and I don't know what to do. So all I'm doing is putting future pacing and leading and stuff in my conversation with you to get you to feel like, you know what, I need to let my guard down. This guy's right. And, and so many people tell me when we talk to them about their situation, they go, you know, you're exactly the person I've been waiting for to come help me. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. And it's just communication skills. That's all it is. You have to assume people are going to do what you ask them to do. If they don't and they say, I want $45,000 for my house because I want to buy a truck, I say to them, honest to God, I do. I say, well, you realize you're in a tough situation right now, correct? Yes. You're behind in payments. Yes, I am. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being high, where would you reach motivation level to get out of this situation? Well, I'm about a 7. When you could become a 9 or a 10, give me a call back because I only work with 9s and 10s. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm done. I'm off to somebody else. I will let the other investors work with these people because – I'm prospecting, and it's a numbers game for me. So I'm not working with the difficult people. I'm working with the people that are on the edge, and they need to make a decision. And I help them through that. I build the stairway to walk across that that gulch that they have, their financial gulfs they have. You know, I get that little bridge built for them to get them on the other side. Listeners, I really hope that you are... Record, making a note to download the podcast and listen to this over and over again because you you may not even fully get what Bill's saying right now if you haven't started the process of talking to sellers but you you will and you need to you need to go back and and listen and listen and listen and listen especially to that last part we need to take a quick break if you have any questions listeners Give us a call at 877-772-9658, or you can go to our website, realliferealestate.com, and send a question through that uh, uh, question and answer panel there. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Bill Twyford about uh, NLP, although... Uh, Bill, I'm starting to get the impression that you don't actually have to go study NLP and go through these year-long training programs and whatnot in order to use NLP when you're negotiating. No, you don't. Here's here's the thing. You know, if you've ever read NLP books, most of them, I mean, a, a great book to read is the Sales Bible. That's a great book to read. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And that's, uh, I think it's Jeffrey Gottimer, I think that's his name. Uh, Great book, Sales Bible. But I've got to tell you what, you don't have to go out and really go to the classes and learn why it works. I mean, the arena that I'm in, you know, the real estate arena, the students and the people in the classes always tell me, you know, I don't care why it works. You know, I really don't need to know that. I just, just tell me what to say. Tell me how to say it. So I can get the result that I want. And it's funny because I teach what we call application-based NLP. It's really the meat and potatoes of what really works in NLP without all of the psychology behind it. So, um, and it's really funny because I've, I've trained so many people. I've been, I've done so many classes and I've had NLP certified trainers and stuff that have been in my classes that had 
coming up and, 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 and they've looked at my, you know, sales talk and my secrets closing the deal programs. And they look at it and they go, wow, you know, this stuff is just amazing. It's just really the meat and potatoes. It doesn't have all the, you know, the beliefs and all the, all the boring stuff in it. I said, now I said, the arena that I'm in, they don't really care about that. They just want to know what to say and how to say it. So <laughs> I built an application-based program for salespeople, for like when I'm teaching Amex salespeople or MasterCard salespeople or IBM salespeople. And then I have a thing called Secrets Closing the Deal where it's real estate-based. So, you know, I, I split things up that way when I when I do different trainings. So uh, it's just, you know, it's it's easy to do. It's just you have to start using it in your everyday um, language patterns. That's it. And instead of asking people for things, when you're checking into a hotel, we say, yeah, uh, the room's under Twyford and there's two people. And then they say, okay, yeah, would you like a double or a king? And I said, well, you know what? Most of the time when I stay here, they give me the suite. And they go, oh, okay, we'll give you the suite. <laughs> now, do they always do it? No. But you know what? They do sometimes. All of a sudden, we get this great suite for the same price. Because we just, you know, we use mostly, obviously, usually, those are adverb presuppositions. Fortunately, you know, fortunately, I showed up early here today. When I explain to you that makes a lot of sense and you feel comfortable, you will let me help you, won't you? So when you're using language patterns like that, anything that follows fortunately means it's good fortune. Naturally, everything is natural. Usually my customers are signing the paperwork right now. Now, in the subconscious mind, the customer says to themselves, conscious mind says, what's it mean when it says usually they sign the paperwork now? That means sign the paperwork, knucklehead. Go ahead and sign. So, see, that's what happens in your mind. You don't realize it's going on, but it's going on all the time. You know, and, and you know, 98% of the people you come in contact with have no idea you're even using these language patterns. And I always use an example at the beginning of all my presentations with Michigan Mike, the last few sentences say, when you buy this program and make the, de de make the decision to change your life, you too will see your income go through the roof. And that's what you want, isn't it? And I asked the, I, I asked the class that. I said, how many people want their income go up? Everybody raises their hand. Now, they didn't even see the language patterns, hear the language patterns, because at the end I read the same slide and after I read it, they all start chuckling. And I said, what are you guys laughing about? They go, was that the same slide as the other one? And I said, same exact slide. They said, well, we didn't see that before. I said, how many people saw it? A room of 100 people, two or three people will raise their hands because they've been exposed to it before in the past. They know what embedded commands are. You know. So the thing that's cool about it is people start looking at it and go, gosh, I never noticed that. And then on the second day of training, they come back, they go, we were watching commercials last night, you know, in between our shows. You can't believe all these embedded commands are out there and how they talk. They talk just like you talk. I said, I know. I said, it works. That's why people use it. Once you That's become the infomercial people. Yeah, once you become conscious of this, you... You not only hear it everywhere, you get it makes your it makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when somebody does it wrong. You know, like yeah. like one of the, one of the things one of the things that always sets me off when I get um, 
when I get marketing from other investors. Because, you know, I have, I have rentals and, you know, I have vacant properties sometimes and people send me letters and postcards and things. And when they when they when the um, call to action is, won't you please call me today? I'm very anxious to speak to you. Yeah, it's like what? What? What, yeah, yeah, that, that, what do I care? What you want? <laughs> you said yeah. it. You said it all wrong. And then I want to call them up and say, <laughs> "Just tell me to call today." <laughs> yes, call me today so I can help you out of your situation. You know, no. Here's the thing that's funny about it, though, Vina is. People do that, and they don't really realize and they're doing that. But the way you read that, to me, the immediate thing I thought was, this guy sounds desperate. He mm-hmm. sounds like I know. I need to call him because he's desperate. I know, and so many of the of the the, the reason I made such a big point of of saying that that folks needed to to download the podcast from, from when this goes up on realliferealestate.com and replay that last segment over and over and over again was that you were talking about a whole different philosophy of how you talk, particularly to sellers. I mean, we could do a whole show on how you talk to private lenders and a whole show on how you talk to contractors on all that stuff. But we have, we tend to have more interactions with sellers than we do with other kinds of people. And the, the way, the way most investors, and I'm not just talking about new ones. I'm talking about sometimes ones that have been around for a while deal with their sellers is they try to tell them what they want to hear. They try, they, yeah. in, in other words, they, they try and bend the investor tries to bend his requirements around the sellers. Let's face it, little mental illness they're having about how they can stay in their house or how they can, you know, get, yeah. get enough to buy a truck out of their $6,000 wrecked house. And yeah. rather than say, let's let's let let's talk about what your real options are here <laughs> let's let's yeah let, let me let you me walk you let me walk you yeah. down this path of what's going to happen next and next and next and next which i can see but you can't because i've done this a hundred times and you've never done it and it's yeah. not it's not high pressure it's not oh your life's gonna really suck no. it's it's questions right it's and then what happens if this happens and then you know my experience is that you're gonna be and then like you said if they're not, if they're still not there, walk away and let somebody yeah. else let somebody else get them there. But well, you, you've seen, I'm sure yeah. you've seen this too. All these people that you know, they try and figure out a way to keep the seller in the house, even though, as you said, in like you know, 28 states, they're crossing some law by yeah, doing that. Right. And, and frankly, if the if the seller can't pay, the bank can't pay you either. You know, yeah, and, why would we do that? And, right. and they try, but they try and oh yeah, we'll see if we can do that. And that's not it's not fair to the seller. No, nope. it's not. It's not likely to end in a deal that's going to work for you. And you don't want to start the relationship by by telling them what they want to hear and then have to end it by saying, well, it turns out the reality is X. That's where you, that's where you get in trouble right there is when people do that. And I and I always I'm really a blunt person. And, you know, it was funny. Um, I told Duan last night, I said, you know, Vina and I are a lot alike. I said, because we're kind of just straight to the point type of people. We don't fluff it all up and all that kind of stuff like a lot of other people do. And I was saying that when we were driving last night, and Dwan agreed with me. She goes, yeah, you guys kind of just like tell it straight to the point. So what I do is I always tell classes. I go, listen, if you prospect continuously and stick to your prospecting schedule and you keep filling your funnel full of leads, I said, you can tell the homeowners the truth. If not, you're going to have to tell the homeowners what they want to hear. 
So now if you're telling the homeowners what they want to hear, you're letting them stay in control of the transaction. So now you're having somebody that's not making their house payments in control of your paycheck. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense, does it? And people go, well, no, it doesn't. Then don't tell homeowners what they want to hear. Tell them the truth. If you prospect and you set a schedule to prospect four or five or six hours a week, or you're consistent with your mailings, you're consistent with your bandit signs, whatever your marketing is, and you're doing it consistently, and you're always bringing new deals in and new leads in, you can always tell the homeowners the truth. When you stop your prospecting, you got to start telling the homeowners what they want to hear. And when you do that, that's a recipe for disaster, because now they're in control. Mm-hmm. So I always say you're either in control or you're out of control. You get to choose. Yep, very true. And we are we are uh, just very close to being out of time here. So I want to remind folks who are in the Cincinnati area or who can get into the Cincinnati area relatively easily that you and Dwan are doing a two-day workshop here for the nonprofit Cincinnati RIA. And um, it's 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 pretty inexpensive for a two-day event. It's under $150, even if you are not a member of the organization. That is this upcoming Saturday and Sunday. And folks can get more information on that and get signed up by going to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiRIA.com. But obviously it's Wednesday, so you're going to need to do that and make plans quickly because I think the room that they have only holds like 70 people. And I know they were up up into the 50s last time I checked. So uh, very much appreciate you joining us today, Bill. I know it's... um, it's uh, always difficult to do negotiation stuff over the radio, but you did a did a great job today, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. And uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.